Welcome to the episode today. I'm very excited about this one because it's not often that we can kind of really get in the nitty gritty of music marketing. It's a passion for me. It's a passion for my guest Kelly today. And I'm excited to bring this because if you're a musician, if you're an artist, uh, if you run a business, you know, Kelly has taught me so much and you've been such a kind of pioneer in a lot of social media kind of tech that we're going to go into in a minute. Um, But welcome to the show. How are you doing today, Kelly? You good? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to picking your brain in a thousand different ways. I don't know whether, I mean, the the way I was going to introduce you today is you have 20 years of experience with kind of marketing across the board. You've been involved with major labels. You've been involved with developing independent artists. I don't know whether you want to take a second to kind of intro yourself to to my team. Yeah, sure. So, uh, gosh, 20 years. Yeah, so I, I kind of fell into marketing as a music fan who wanted to work in the music industry, a lot, a lot, like a lot of folks um, coming up, I wasn't aware of the different jobs available and uh, <laughs> showing my age, got back and in, got into street teaming, if you remember that, nice back idea. in the early noughties and that lends itself to marketing because that's really about finding fans mm-hmm. from the grassroots and building up. And so, yeah, I got my break, my major break uh, with Polydor Records in the UK, living in London, which is the English counterpart of Interscope Records mm-hmm. under Universal, for those familiar with the major label system. I was there for just under nine years, uh, working my way up the ladder from baby bands to a lot of indie alternative rock acts like uh, Queens of the Stone Age and Yeah Yeah Yeahs and Beck and The Cure and then Got to work with a then unknown artist, Lady Gaga. Yeah, <laughs> I'll say yeah. how this one pans out. It became what it became. Um, it was obviously an amazing time in my life and getting to work and be a part of that across her first three records. And then um, I wanted to move to New York, where we are now. Um, I'm half American, half British. So thankfully, I have the citizenship. Mm-hmm. I went to the other side of the spectrum in the music industry and worked for Julian Casablancas of The Strokes' indie label, Cult Records, which was going from major land to four people, <laughs> and some of whom had never worked at a label before. So complete baptism of fire in the other direction. Uh, continued my relationship with Karen O of the AAS, got to work on her amazing solo record. And then after that, I was tapped to be the first US boots on the ground for a British digital creative agency called the Weller Media Agency. I have to say the full name because mm-hmm. when I say WMA, people think it's William Morris <laughs> and Eva. Yeah. Um, and that was me and a gal in a cupboard starting offering services that were already happening in the UK to a mixture of labels, uh, artists, brands, clients. Um, we grew it from me to 15 in New York, six in Nashville, seven in LA, working with everyone from Republic Records, which is the home of artists like Ariana Grande, Drake, Nicki Minaj, Lord, um, through to Celine Dion, social media, doing photo shoots with Justin Timberlake for Levi's, all the things. And then after four and a half years of being the GM there, I decided to become a consultant and have my cake and eat it and work with um, artists of all different levels, partners. And it's been the last two and a bit years of doing that which is how we got to know each other it is i was just gonna say because this is the first time we're meeting in person even though we've worked together on dolly parton's projects yes this new up and comer dolly parton yeah yeah yeah, just just a little name but i think what i am so excited about is seeing the kind of two sides of the coin because you're one Mm. of the few people that has got such a huge amount of experience on on both kind of sides of the industry you've been through the big engines you've been through the big labels Mm -hmm. uh, and you've also kind of built your own thing and and have your uh 
very strategically minded basis for how to look at independent artists, which is why I feel people listening are going to be able to take so much value from, from, what, from what you have to say today. And I've, I've been thinking about how I want to pan this one out because there's so much that I want to try and get out of you. But like, I'm going to start with a conversation mm-hmm. we were having in the cab on the way down here. Mm-hmm. And um, some people out there are calling you like the TikTok whisperer, right? Because <laughs> you have this very interesting kind of logic and science-based mind that looks mm-hmm. at a platform like TikTok with the, with the marrying up of being a music fan, a big advocate of your artists and, you know, using these platforms mm-hmm. as a user. And you have these, this meld where you're like, you know what, I get it. And then you went and worked at really understanding the, mm-hmm. the platform. So many people listening are going to be using TikTok, mm-hmm. whether they are just a consumer or whether they're looking to use it as a platform to leverage developing their artistry. I would love to just open the floor for you to just to dive in and I don't know where you want yeah. to Yeah, well look, start, here's, here's like. where I start with it. I am really really uh, empathetic mm. towards artists and musicians. I have always considered myself a non-creative, well, I'm a creative marketer, but you know, I can't make art. I can't mm. sing, I can't go in the studio and do it. I love being adjacent to musicians and helping amplify their careers and their talent and if an artist wanted to figure out how to navigate algorithms on social media they would be a digital marketer right it's a different vocation it's a different calling so i think regardless of your genre whether you have your eyes set on top 40 pop superstardom or you're a very cool niche indie artist or you want to be a dj you have to level set with you are an artist first and foremost and that is your calling and it's going to behoove you to understand this space because your whole goal, I would hope, is to make art for other people to enjoy. So when people are like, you know, what is marketing and connecting that to TikTok in a second, it's really for me has been the less gross big brother stalking folks make sell stuff and like selling stuff and your commodity, the commodification of music being that. And how do I find Kelly in Brooklyn, Mark in London, who might be a potential fan and and expose them to my art and my music and my artistry and get them to see me in concert or buy a shirt or advocate for me or evangelize about me. So the reason I level set there is because when something like TikTok comes along, I feel the palpable exhaustion mm. from not just existing artists who've been doing this a long time, but new artists who are like, oh God, another another barrier to to get through another hoop for the industry in terms of it used to just be spotify streams or how many instagram followers do i have and now it's like gotta go viral on tiktok i understand that it's daunting and so trying to make it digestible and giving people a, a playbook to understand how to exist in that space that works for them as an artist has been a, a really interesting learning curve. Well, I mean, I, I, had, I did a podcast yesterday with a guy called James Hill who, who said something really interesting that struck a nerve with me. He said, mm. you know, people often forget that these platforms are there to serve them mm-hmm. and their artistry. And, it's, and just like you've said there as well, there's this daunting feeling that you, you're there to somehow serve these platforms. It's another avenue that you've got to think about oh, I've got to now make content as well for this mm-hmm. in its own flavor and I can't just necessarily replicate things I'm doing on other platforms and it feels like we're, we're always as artists kind of somehow subservient to these the powers that be that can hold such uh you know like wealth of career opportunities if you get it right no, I, I for sure and it's like look not every platform is for everybody I'll be the first to stick my hand up and confess I haven't don't uh, uh, dived into things like roblox and stuff yet there's always like a new frontier 
Um, when I speak to artists who are reticent to get into TikTok, who feel very comfortable on something like Instagram, I remind them, like, remember when Facebook tried to buy Snapchat and Snapchat said, no, like, fine, we'll just copy you. And that became Instagram stories. And the amount of artists who did not care to learn about Instagram stories for a very long time. And now people use that way over, I feel like the grid in a lot of circumstances and understand how it can work for them. I think it's affording yourself the same, okay, I'm just going to like, try and immerse myself in this environment a little bit because I think it can ultimately benefit me and the reason I evangelize about it is because I've had friends who are dropped by a record label in 2009 in 2022 have a trending song on TikTok because it's blown up in the anime community or something for example so I think it's unpacking a lot of misconceptions with TikTok it's just for Gen Z it's just lol dances it's just you know funny trends that is a big part of it but every single appetite for music every genre one of my favorites is the uh, hashtag vinyl tag where people can go through their record collections and find their favorite records on certain themes it's all there you know i'm working with an artist right now who has synesthesia which is when you can see or feel or taste color and sound and lo and behold there's a synesthesia community on tiktok so it's about trying to understand what you enjoy and so well again just to go back a step there's two different things with tiktok there's what you need to do to figure out how to start posting and engaging and being on the platform and it's a completely other skill set to understand how sounds and music grows on platform Mm -hmm. which we can speak to but going back to like me getting my start how do i figure out i always say first of all just lurk just watch i mean i personally don't post on tiktok i'm a lurker every morning you know i'm sitting in bed i go through it i go through my for you for you page i look at the hashtags of the community i want to be in and you tailor that to be your for you page my for you page will look probably very different from yours Mm. it's exclusively music new york restaurant recommendations and cats (laughs) but like the cats thing we have in common yeah there we go so my friend could look at it and see social justice commentary uh, issues about body positivity things about yeah fashion and transitions you know whatever you lean into that is what you're going to get served up and so if you enjoy it you're going to find your people because you're going to find your tribe and the people that also enjoy the topics you talk about that is authentic to you and doesn't feel like you're being performative because it's something that you would enjoy as a consumer anyway so I think that's the big de- demystification part of TikTok is like you don't have to mold yourself to fit into a way of using the platform that doesn't resonate with you because trust me that because you see other exists. people dancing and, it, and the videos yeah. work you feel like yeah I hear you 100% and that's a, that's a really profound one that, that as artists it's well easy to get wrapped up in because you 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 know it's always like kind of monkey see monkey do we always mm-hmm. have that idea of going oh this person did this type of video and it exploded and it did really well and look at all the opportunities mm-hmm. they have why don't i take a shot of replicating that and it seems to be a mantra we have to keep reminding ourselves it's like there is no point in ever trying to replicate yeah. things that other people have done yeah so just as an example um there's an amazing artist i know called bright light bright light he is a queer kind of modern George Michael artist makes really good pop songs he's opened for people like Elton John and Cher has an older audience wasn't sure if TikTok was for him he's an excellent DJ he Mm. really enjoys making mashups like taking Madonna and putting it with 
Khalees or Donna Summer with Kylie Minogue, whatever. So I said, look, if you enjoy this, you're doing it in your life anyway. Why not make that your thing? It's not like you're trying to start a new hobby this mm. stage of your career as an Just artist. Yeah. yeah, and also it's something that you can like bank in advance. This is the other thing we'll get into is like the logistics and reality of making content as you being one human person mm. who's also trying to distribute your music, make music videos promote all the things go on tour figure it out it's like you know you're one you're one human so bank things in advance schedule one a day do it for at least 30 days and see if it goes and tailor it and lo and behold with him it did i mean one of the posters had 1.8 million views he's now (laughs) this is the wild thing it took him like 10 years to get like 23,000 followers on instagram he has just passed at 25,000 on tiktok since january wow so that's the opportunity with TikTok. And when people find it scary, I had a 46-year-old soul singer say, Kelly, what the hell am I doing on TikTok? And you know what? She really loves the soul great. She does a great um, covers of Aretha Franklin, Roberta Flack. You know, she's doing explainer videos about, you know, soul legends you wouldn't know about. She's found her audience. She's got over 20,000 followers on TikTok. It's not crazy, but it's better than Instagram. And she's starting and it's getting her shows and opportunities. And that recognition in that yeah. space that's relevant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So... I think, you know, understand what what you enjoy when you're scrolling. There's a really big difference between being a passive uh, consumer of social media and kind of being aware as you're doing it. So what I mean is the next time that you heart something on Instagram, the next time you share something to a friend or story, stop and ask yourself why. Was it funny? Was it topical? Was it personal? Did it move you? Probably just made you laugh. Was it cool? Like, there's a reason you go that extra step and don't skip past it or skip the video. If it gives you pause, just ask yourself why and then start to think about that when you're making content. Like what would you enjoy if you were to put it out into the universe? That's a great way to think about it. It's like what value did that just give you that yeah. pushed you over the edge to, to share it? And then and then in the sense that you're, you're asking the artist that you're developing to use that as an experiment template to be like what is it that you want to say and what value are you going to give is that what you mean by that kind of absolutely and like i always again say like you know you'd occasionally get an artist who comes up to you and says hey you know here's my here's my album my work here is done go break me yeah yeah. and it's like i can't care about your project more than you do like that's the first thing it's really hard i mean it's easier in the sense in today like i could make a bagpipes album and release it on the dsps i would never do that and I would hope no one listen to it but it's possible so it's the best of times the worst of times in that sense but when you've done the you've done the hard bit and you've made the art I always say cut the audience some slack it's like think about how much you're bombarded with every day not just from social media from work school life friends family news mm. everything if 60,000 people are releasing songs every day it's like you have to earn the oxygen (laughs) in the sense that like artist a versus artist b and i think you have to give some credit to the audience because you know who was the last artist that you followed on spotify or shared to a friend or shared their playlist on instagram stories and tagged them it's a good way to think about that i mean one of my favorite bands is biffy claro Mm -hmm. and i don't follow them on anything I don't. Right. I don't even think I follow them on Spotify because I just I just love their live presence and well, I want to go and see shows. Well, but you like, probably also algorithmically maybe get them in your release radar playlist because yeah, you've listened you, to enough music. Yeah, that you get I, it. I would do. But I think it's such a great point because like even even bands and I'm sure when people are listening to this they're going to think this too. It's like even those artists that you actually genuinely love mm-hmm. and you would want to see. How many of them do you actually go and do these? kind of actionable things for extra steps it's like 
probably 1%, 5%. Yeah, and one thing I've really enjoyed when I'm working with independent artists specifically is it doesn't occur to them always to elevate their peers and their community. And they really enjoy it when they do. Mm. If they make a playlist and they tag four or five other artists they like. I just had it with an artist um, recently. She met an artist uh, at a show. They followed each other. The other artist, unprompted, added her to her playlist, tagged her on Twitter and Instagram. She was thrilled. And it's like, imagine you paying this forward. You know, there's always someone below you and someone above you. And a rising tide lifts all ships, isn't it? It does. And it also gives you, again, go back to helping cut the audience some slack. Mm. You're giving me a kind of a compass and a bit of context. You know, I always joke with artists, like when they say, you know, how would you describe your music or yourself? Everyone's like a beautiful, unique snowflake who's Mm. never made music before. But I'm like, look, you can be equally inspired by Rihanna and the Strokes that's fine but like who do you want to be on your related artist tab on Spotify who do you want to open for on concert Mm -hmm. who do you want to be wrapped with in a record store Mm -hmm. because that's going to help me Kelly the consumer understand well I like artist x I want you in my radio station playlist I want you you know I'm going to get there an hour before the headliner to check out who's opening because I think it might be my cup of tea Mm -hmm. you're helping give you know that context to a listener and you can do that with your content as well so let's let's look at a case study of someone who is whether they're starting out or they're independent let's start mm-hmm. down the independent route before we go into major label territory okay. what are the the kind of first advisory steps that you're going to give to someone as they're looking at their strategy let's say that they're saying look i just want to look at trying to sell out a 500 cap room in my hometown i'm mm-hmm. kind of looking about developing this to to build a real ticketed listening fan base and i want to start going down the lane of tiktok and I, they kind of have an idea of what they want to do like i remember in in the cab earlier you were talking about this whole like macro micro stuff i want to almost go through it again because i wasn't quite fully understanding it i was hoping you can lay out just a bit of insight into how the platform works and, and how you tend to i don't want to say manipulate it but how you tend to you know, play into the strengths that the platform gives? Well, there's there's quite a lot in what you asked there because the North Star in all of this has to be, who are my fans? Mm -hmm. And I say to an artist, like, if you are playing a show, what does your audience look like? I love going to a gig and looking around the room and either confirming or surprising me. Mm. I remember seeing Angel Olsen and thinking, wow, there's loads more guys here than I expected. And it's because couples were going to the show or like, you know, you see an artist where you think it's going to be predominantly LGBTQ fans and maybe it's more of a spread than you realized or whatever it is. So if you don't know who your fan is, um, you need to figure that out and even if it's the first five people 10 people 100 people it builds though that is the beginning of your not to be too marketing your audience funnel mm. um and then people listening won't be able to see people on camera we used to call it like the audience cone you know there's like the top of the triangle is your super early adopter super fans the middle part of the triangle is like you know, slightly more on it, but still needs the curation help. Like this, Zane Lowe's told me to like this or Pitchfork's told me to like that or this artist I trust has advocated for that. And then the fat part of the cone is like the mainstream. Right. And that's really hard as a music lover to remember that most people are like, the casual fan who is very like told, not told what to like in the sense they're sheep, but like they need to be exposed through, you know, big look uh, TV appearances uh, on the radio having a breakthrough hit maybe they own three cds and it's abba drake and ed sheeran which is totally fine but when you're thinking about building an audience as an independent musician and getting to your first 500 tickets whatever genre you're in and whatever age group you're in 
you want to appeal to your 10-year-old niece and your 80-year-old grandfather, but there's going to be a core audience at the heart of that, whether that's a 13 to 24-year-old student who is more into that or a 25 to 45 year old you know older person who likes these kind of nostalgia artists or other things once you figure out that audience it can really inform who how you speak to people because you want to build on that foundation as you broaden out Mm -hmm. so using that as your kind of again level set as the expression i use when you're looking at something like tiktok there's a big misconception like, oh, if I won the lottery and like got Charlie D'Amelio to post my song tomorrow, it would go viral. And she's someone we would class as like a, I mean, super macro creator, mm-hmm. massive, I means she's on another level. There's even other macro creators, which are probably on the million plus level. If you actually found your tribe, like the people who are the equivalent at the top of that funnel, the nano creators, the micro creators, who really make sense mm. for you as an artist, your tribe, your community, and build from there, that gives you a really good foundation of relevant discovery, like building affinity. So mm-hmm. for example, if you are someone who is really into like Olivia Rodrigo style, we call it POV content on TikTok, point of view, where you're like saying a narrative around a story or a song. It's very, can be very emotional, a lot of storytelling. <clears throat> Excuse me. It makes more sense to find other folks into that kind of content than it is to find someone into hardcore drum and bass. Or, okay, I'm with you. Yeah. 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 I, that's, there was an interesting point you brought up about this idea that someone who is a huge, huge influencer that you might only dream of having like a repost from or something. It's funny, isn't it, how when those moments actually happen, the impact is really underwhelming and mm-hmm. people have a, a false sense of how much value there is there. And this is, this is what I really like about your strategy and when I've, when I've seen how you kind of deal with these things because you're like grassroots building up from the, from the genuine mm-hmm. organic upwards. And it's like, if you get that right, it actually topples the reach of a big influencer in terms of relevant Absolutely. marketing yeah. and it's it's the harder way to go about it because it's much easier isn't it to think oh i just get posted reposted by someone and then mm-hmm. overnight i'm going to have this success but to to break it down in the sense that you go right if we have this pyramid it actually makes sense to sow our seeds in in the kind of like more organic real uh, section that is relevant to to this particular project right yeah and actually if you look at your favorite massive artists they really know who their fans are and they really take care of them, whether you're Taylor Swift or Lady Gaga or BTS or whoever it is, because every artist has peaks and troughs. You know, some people would have called Art Pop Lady Gaga's flop album. It's probably one of her fans' favourites. And like, you know, she'll play Vegas till she dies because she's taken care of the little monsters and her fans forever. And it's when you when you really understand and take care of the people, you know, it sounds obvious, but a lot of artists forget it, you know, by things like, why do I need a mailing list? Mm. It's like, well, actually, if you think about how many mailing lists you're on, you're probably only on a handful of your favorite artists because Mm. you definitely want to get that tour alert, that merch drop, that new single heads up, that personal note. Um, Adele still writes all her own newsletters, you know, and her notes. And the fact it, it makes a difference. People feel connected, you know, so you invest in it because you can't control if Instagram's going to change their algorithm or if TikTok's going to come along when, you know, Vine fell by the wayside. Mm-hmm. You can control who your audience is and your fans are. To go to your point about the the feeling, oh, maybe if I get this big look, it will be this big, 
you know, moves the needle game changer. Think of it in terms of Spotify playlists. People get really obsessed with the idea of getting on New Music Friday when actually being on a bunch of the lower level genre playlist is way more, more impactful. Yeah. So the older soul gal I mentioned, she makes soul, R&B, funk music. She has gained all her retained monthly listeners from being on a playlist called All Funked Up, which has 300,000 followers, but they are absolutely hardcore, about, dedicated yeah. funk fans. She actually just had her second song added to it, which is even better. Awesome. Yeah. So it's like, would she be mad if she got New Music Friday? Absolutely not. Will but it it's, really change It won't move the needle. Bit, yeah. She's not going to get someone... I call it unraveling the thread. You mm. know, I love doing this as a music fan myself, is where... Something Picture is on Spotify. You look at their about page. Here's another really top tip. And this has come from me from friends at Spotify and the DSPs, the digital mm-hmm. service providers that covers all of Spotify, Apple, like Tidal, etc. The, yeah, yeah. the number one pet peeve is when artists try and be mysterious and have no about blurb or just like an emoji. Right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's not helpful to an editor who has, you've done the hard bit, you've got their attention within the, when they're reviewing your track. Mm. I, I'm going to learn about this artist. I want to get some context. Where are they from? What are they about? Mm. What are they into? And there's nothing there. They don't have time to go on a big Wikipedia deep dive of you or like Google search you or look at everything. Like f- give them, give them some slack, help mm. out. So first of all, put something, even if it's a one line mm. elevator pitch about yourself and your about page. I'm unraveling the thread. I then do click onto your Instagram. Another top tip, make sure the links work. I had it yesterday, a band I really liked, clicked on their Instagram from Spotify, the link was broken. So check yeah. your links, yeah. <laughs> you know, check it out. You're helping that fan go through that funnel and that mm-hmm. journey where I may even do that two, three times of an artist pricking my ears up before I actually do the follow, before I actually do mm-hmm. the share, before right. I, you know, favorite their album to my library. That's a lot of steps. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, earning that from fans can really inform your strategy as an artist too, because when you think about why am I being told to like keep putting content out or mm. keep releasing music, you're trying to, again, build that affinity with you as an artist and be like, oh, I'm ready to do that next step of a committed follow. Or I hear you. And, and that also does tend to tie into this kind of strategic eagle eye perspective you have and and you know i kind of bring this back to tiktok but i i know because i know that's what we're talking about here Mm -hmm. but i know this is also kind of the same thing in loads of other platforms and it goes back to this thing of going how are you going to cultivate people in this um in this strategy and how are you going to go from point a to point b just like we're saying before and i don't know whether it's it's something you can try and, and outline again but this this idea about when we look at TikTok specifically and, and you're running these campaigns and why people kind of refer to you as a TikTok whisperer <laughs> is like, you, there's a bit of a, not really a formula, but there's a method in how you approach it from from small to big. You don't just like go straight in with a big influence. So I don't know if you want to talk much on. Yeah. On yeah so here, here's, the, here's the first rub. Uh, as someone with a couple of decades of marketing experience, you have to leave your marketing out of the door because the audience is king. And For so, sure. you know, you may sit at home and think this is the perfect song for TikTok. This is the perfect lyric, the perfect sound by the perfect hook. The audience is going to tell you pretty fast if they agree or not. Mm. And here's the other rub. They may choose a track that you released seven years ago or mash it up with a catalog song like, you know, B-52s with Toxic by Britney, Mm -hmm. or they may speed it up or slow it down. So, That's not to say you just sit back on your laurels and wait for the audience to kind of go forth. It just means you have to put stuff out there and just keep at it because the number one pitfall with TikTok, I see this time and time again, an artist will try and do like five, six, seven posts and give up. Yeah, that's me. Okay. So just to give you an example, there's an amazing um, 
independent artist you're aware of called Ariana and the Rose. She's been going a long time as an independent artist, never had the opportunity or means to release an album. She's done EPs and singles. Legendary human as well. Yeah, she's a very smart girl. Uh, and she, you know, was trying to figure out TikTok last year in 2021 and doing a lot of different kinds of content, you know, things with her music, things with fashion, just trying to figure out, you know, behind the scenes and this. Mm. And then, you know, she's a songwriter. She makes electro pop dance music, but like Gaga, she starts on the piano mm. and writes. One day she was sitting down and just started sharing her opinions, put it up on TikTok. And she was just talking, wasn't she? She was just she talking. Was just, yeah. And, you know, she was probably having a rant about you know some female issue of the day. It was really funny, actually. Yeah. <clears throat> the, the post that went viral, you may have seen it. And she was looking fabulous as she was doing it. She was in one of her stage outfits. She was basically saying, like, you know, as she's playing piano, if you see a woman and she's, you know, she's hydrated and she's killing it and she's got the, you know, the great job and the life and the rest of it. And you're like, who is this mythical woman? The bait and switch at the end is she's like, she's probably on the verge of a nervous breakdown. <laughs> yeah. And it clearly resonated with yeah. a lot of women. I think yeah. 8 million people agreed <laughs> and shared with it. She grew 60,000 TikTok followers in like a week. She wow. had massive accounts like uh, Phenomenal by... Um, Mina Harris and Betches and other, you know, down the line, other sounds went viral. People like Alyssa Milano shared it. Uh, Amy Schumer started following her. Jamila Jamil used an audio. That was because she was authentically mm. just saying something that resonated with her as a female artist and it also connected with other women. Mm. And so that wasn't like premeditated or planned. It was just through the commitment to playing and trying on the platform. It took from like March to July. So March, April, May, like five months. It was her 79th post. Mm. If she had given up on the sixth post, she wouldn't be in the position she is today where she's getting brand partnerships, she's doing collaborations, she's getting, you know, show offers, she's getting the opportunity to release her debut album finally, uh, she's self-releasing in July, you know, so all that comes because it's a means to an end. She doesn't wake up in the morning and think, I want to be a full-time TikToker. Yeah. It's facilitating the music, which is what her North Star is. She's kind of building an atmosphere and an environment for her music to, to live in. Well, let's also be super frank here. And this is something I love, love, love talking about with musicians. You have to understand budgets mm. and tra be transparent about the cost of what labels are doing on TikTok is often in the tens of thousands of dollars. And it's just not tenable for an independent artist when they're trying to do, well, first and foremost, make good music, which I can't help you as a marketer. Um, you know, I use the analogy, I think I told you this earlier, like my friend, a musician once said, like, if you're a carpenter by trade, you don't make one chair and be like, that's the perfect chair, I'm done. Yeah. So you don't just write one song and think that's yeah, going to yeah. be my ticket. You know, you just keep working on it. Like most artists haven't written their best song yet, mm. you know, and so... You, you know, you do that, that in a hard bit, but I think it's really scary for artists to really understand the value and in a marketing term, ROI, return on investment. I'm trying to figure out, do I spend money on content or Instagram ads or paying creators to use my music on TikTok or do a photo shoot for artwork or pay for a band to go on tour with? It really adds up and it's really about understanding you don't need to do everything at once. And there are like, you can control putting organic content out into the world for free. Mm. You know, there are ways to amplify that once things start to move. And hopefully you get into a position where you're monetizing things better because you've built a following. Mm. And that's a value to partners. But I think it's really important for artists to look at where they're at and their career and be like, what rung of the ladder am I at? Am I selling 
50 tickets to my show in my local hometown? Am I selling 100 tickets? If not, how do I get to that landmark and celebrate those milestones? It's really hard for artists. I remember when I think Ariana had her first like million views on YouTube. Like, okay, now I want 2 million views. It's like, can we just take a minute to celebrate the 1 million? You know, it's it's, the, the goalposts will always move. And so it's understanding, you know, where am I now? Where do I want to be? And what are the steps to get there? And so as much as like we are focusing on TikTok because that's a kind of contemporary gateway to a lot of this, it still is going to be scary for a lot of people Mm. to actually be like, well, how do I start posting tomorrow? Mm. And I think that goes back to my original point of be on the platform and understand the rhythm and, you know, people hook you in in the first three seconds. Mm. So, for example, um, I had an artist who... um, landed a sink uh a mcdonald's commercial in europe mm. and she i was like this is a really great like story for independent artists to understand like how do you get it you know this is amazing why don't we make a little story time out of it for tiktok and so rather than her just like talk to the you know her cam her iphone camera and this we like framed it as in like in the first three seconds I'm an independent artist who got a sync. This is how I did it. So like you're hooked immediately. It's a different format. So how she would share on Instagram because it's kind of made for TikTok. And then she told the story. I did a cover of this track. A supervisor found on YouTube. She was going to be cheaper to license than the original. Mm -hmm. They asked if she could record it in a very quick space of time, turned it around and got it up and there you have it. And it's like it had like a couple of hundred thousand views as a TikTok Mm -hmm. because people were really excited to celebrate that win. And it was kind of made with the platform in mind and i guess it's also coming back to that core principle of adding value because there's mm. going to be off that hundred thousand god knows probably 50 percent what artists themselves thinking well i would love to have a sync like that and and they're trying to look for that value of, of what path did they take so they can learn things and i guess one of the, one of the one of the really amazing things about whether it's conversations i've had with you mm-hmm. or, or similarly with with james hill yesterday um and you know people who are listening to this podcast will will be able to check out this episode before but like it was always this principal idea of if you know who you're talking to and why you're talking to them like then the game's over and you're bulletproof and you're Mm. unstoppable and it's it's so painfully simple to be told that because we actually all know that in our in our guts and Mm. there's various like whatever you want to call them anxieties or demons that derail you from wanting to believe other things or you want to have a magic pill that just does it without any of the hard work but like that that seems to be one of the the core orientation mechanisms that you bring when you're looking at strategy and artists it's like like figure out just like you said earlier figure out who your fans are figure out what is it that they want Mm -hmm. to see like what is the value that you that you're going to give them that's it if you get that get that right And, and it seems like this is where i'm kind of intrigued to start to needle you a bit on your your history in the major label system mm-hmm. because you have seen the other side of it which is just like we've got a couple of million let's just like bombard the stuff with like ads and billboards and the lot and i bet sometimes that doesn't pan out as you'd expect it to no absolutely and look it's it's a miss it's a myth that labels will chuck the book at like everything and a lot of times now you know things are being signed that have already built an audience and have done a lot of the heavy lifting for labels when i was coming up they would sign 10 artists throw everything at the wall and nine would get dropped and one would work you know and they don't have the the the, the bandwidth to do that this day and age well, it you also know? feels like we've got these little experimental pools which mm-hmm. are these platforms right so whether you look at tiktok or ig or like snap or like facebook you know in a way it's like 
you get to observe the audience reaction to something for for years even sometimes i'm sure you can sit on the sidelines now and be like ah that one had a bit of a bubble but that one's working or like yeah. i've i've had you know people in my circles that have been signed literally off the back of tiktok songs now that's not always the best way of going about it but like it well happens. it's like i think it's it's a bit scary because then you know the pressure's on the marketing team to have like lightning in a bottle twice yeah and yeah. it's like i was saying you know there's a gal i'm working with right now who's having a moment on tiktok i was like you need to lean into this and make hey while the sun shines mm. i would love it if this happens on single two single three but the chances are actually quite slim mm. so it's really knowing when to capitalize when you do have those organic moments and um you know when it makes sense to do that but going back to the major thing you know i think majors get a bad rap for too extreme the other way mm. like some things need you know at a level you're only you're going to hit a ceiling without global distribution without a radio team without you know the, the you know <laughs> i remember a band who had been on a major they decided to go independent they're like wow 70 people were working on our project <laughs> and it's like no 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 shit uh, I swear, but um you're yeah so there we go no shit well, it's just, it's a bad one. but yeah so it's like you know you know, you're not you know them understanding there was you know a marketer a digital manager a publicist a tv booker a production manager and you know, like all these people that go into it to ask an independent artist to do that versus the system of the major label sometimes you just want the the added team and the support well, there's, you know. and there's also a time and, the, and a place for it because some mm-hmm. like you say sometimes you have to have a globally orchestrated team to be boots on the ground in multiple territories all synced up working at release all at the same time and it's just like you know I, I'm obviously a big advocate of, of indies, but I know what you mean because I often hit, listen to people go at me, oh, majors this, majors that, oh, they're all a bunch of, like, you, and it's just like, well, it's gonna, a bit tiring, gonna, isn't it? Because, but you're still going to find music people. Like, I worked at a major for nearly 10 years. I'm, I'm, I love music. And, like, well, there's always going to be good yeah. and bad people in any big system. And yeah. also, like, you still can't beat it. Like, no. I know that there's indie, indie labels that have developed into bigger teams, but you still can't really beat the, the combined cohesive effort of a major when it comes to an international release. It's like, Absolutely. there's a reason, there's a reason for that. For but their I think, position. I think you just have to be very, um, smart and eye open about what that route means so like yeah. i think i use the analogy to you like i love sitting with an artist and being like what does success feel like to you and that could be an independent person saying i really want to quit my day job and do music full-time i really want to be able to go on tour release an album that would be success for me yeah. i've had that exact same conversation with an artist who says i want to be the biggest artist in the world and sell out madison square garden i was like that's great i'm not here to tell you that's not possible it just requires a different timeline mm. and different investment and different teams. So like I was at Polydor when they signed Ellie Goulding and saw her in the room with a guitar as a shy, you know, girl. Mm. And like, you could see the quality in her talent and everything, but she was developed over time to have her breakout hit in the States mm. to get that, you know, do the Calvin Harris collaborations to have that growth. I saw her sell out Madison square garden. I think it was maybe even 10 years on, you yeah. know, whatever it is, you know, winning Brit awards and all the things it's like, that's a different route. I think when, when artists are really honest with themselves, why are they doing this? Is it to make art? Is it to be famous? Is it to, you know, because they can't do anything else? Mm. I know so many successful career indie musicians who do exactly that. They probably don't get arrested going to the grocery store mm. to get their, their, you know, their weekly shop, but they can absolutely sell out a room in their hometown, release music consistently, and make the equivalent of like a decent salary because they understand that it's the exception now 
to not, not the rule to make money from say streaming versus understanding the other parts of the the money pie so like they're they've built a fan base they maybe have a patreon they're selling merch they're you know getting syncs and uh, synchronizations and you know tv shows and adverts and films they're understanding the broader picture of getting those mopped up you know revenue streams so they can actually do it for a living so what what inspires me is saying okay that's the goal what is what does a platform like tiktok bring to that well it's it's an it's a beautiful time to be in indie mm-hmm. uh, the, the the very first podcast i ever did i think i opened it up with like right it's it's the best time in the world to be an artist mm-hmm. right now and and it's testament to what you just said because it's like before the distribution mechanisms of like reaching so many people it just was a closed circle it was like yeah like you say you've got your your 10 artists in the year and the 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 label had to invest a huge amount of money into just having a shot with these people and it's just like the 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 cannon in which you could get fired out only could only hold one cannonball at the time so to speak and and now we're in this beautiful beautiful world where the the playing field's been leveled out like you can have a 16-year-old kid in their bedroom who's got a great idea for some content and within a couple of months, they're like a global superstar. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and more power to them because it's like, I think it's to, to put my sentiment out there as best I could because I, I thought about this a little while. It's like, it's, it's so good to see people that can have artistic careers and not be beholden to mm-hmm. others. That, that I think is what I get a real big buzz out of. And that's why I like doing this and talking to people and learning lessons from people like yourself because there's going to be people out there and this will be another little bit of info in their bank of like how do they, how do they, how do they live their life and are not subservient to a TikTok or a Snapchat mm-hmm. or whatever, but they understand it's a tool and they understand Absolutely. how they can use it and how they can use it to get to their goal. And most importantly, live like a, a, a free autonomous life where they're like, yeah, I can make music all day long and I can live off it and and I'm good. And I don't need to be Ed Sheeran. Like maybe mm-hmm. some people want to be Ed Sheeran and, and they're going to kill it and they're going to do amazing things. But like, there's so much space to live well. And, you know, where I am in in my career now is like, I feel like a couple of years back, as soon as I knew that I could just like live and survive from music, I'm like, mm-hmm. um, I'm like, I've succeeded. Mm-hmm. And now the rest is just a really fun experiment of seeing how far it's going to go. And I, and I guess I have, I have a lot of people around me to, to, to thank and especially the lessons that you've, you've given mm-hmm. as well in recent times. And that's what I find really exciting about where music and artistry is like now as we move forward. Absolutely. And I think like what you have in common with, Ariana with Ed Sheeran with you know I, I love when people think someone's an overnight success it's like I, I saw Lizzo with six people in Knitting Factory in Brooklyn you know nice. it's like you know people work really hard they work really really hard and I think that it's ten, what is it 10 years to be an overnight success yeah, yeah. whatever but it's like you know I'm laughing to myself because I'm thinking of that awful like Kim Kardashian viral thing of like you just got to work hard I mean it definitely helps when you're a privileged person yeah, yeah, that yeah. Place. but the you know you, you know talent is a part of it mm. but it's really understanding that you know you you do have to really go for it in a committed way that is dedicated and I think it's also giving yourself ways to make it achievable and by that I mean like sometimes I think the practical tips get overlooked so a practical tip is schedule 
making TikTok content the way you would in your Google calendar, like meeting a producer for a coffee or like going into the studio or, you know, research time on the internet about like, I'm going to learn the YouTube creator studio this week. It's like, it's like going to, if it's your job, it's like going to work, you know? So the indie artist I mentioned who started on TikTok, you know, made it like his two week nine to five job. This is what I'm going to do and treated it professionally because to do it haphazardly and without structure is really hard, not only for regular people, but for creative people. I have people like put calendar reminders like when was the last time you added a song to your Spotify playlist? Why not do it every two weeks on a Monday? And then you tag those artists and maybe someone shares it. And then, you know, you, you don't know where the discovery is going to come from. So giving some structure to people that aren't they don't necessarily have the brain for like, you know, using all these digital tools and online things and mechanics. It's like, well, what is achievable? And things like scheduling calendar reminders, giving yourself like, I'm going to, today's going to be Spotify week. What are all the best practices? Do I add canvases to my video? Do I do artist picks? Do I update a playlist regularly? Today's YouTube focus week. I'm going to learn how to add end cards or like, you know, make sure all my YouTube descriptions have the lyrics in to help with search, all that stuff. Like just giving yourself practical tips makes it a bit more manageable because it's so vast and so big everything you can do i think it becomes a bit overwhelming for creatives as well and what about when it when it comes to you and your consultancy and obviously i know that you you're spinning a thousand plates (laughs) but like for people listening who are like i really like what kelly's saying i really like Mm -hmm. vibe with with her messages how how can people like find you and get in touch with you about whether they've got questions or they want to look at coming on board with with your company Well, well what i love to do and i've done different versions of you know mentoring and independent artist tips i am again one person with only so much bandwidth um like a lot of marketers i have a very boring company name my name Mm. is kelly ridgeway i'm kr consults (laughs) so krconsults.me um but what i do have is like a copy and paste list of resources Mm. there's so many amazing resources out there for people who want like a marketing 101 primer there's a fantastic girl called amber who runs a course called deep cuts Uh, she's on instagram as deep cuts she'll give you everything from um a budget template to release checklist the five things you need for a single and a lot of that is out there for free on her youtube channel and her instagram and it's understanding again the value of knowledge like um you know even paying for like a proper course like one-on-one with a consultant or an expert in the space it might feel like expensive if it's say this isn't my rate but some folks might charge like nine hundred dollars or a thousand dollars for like a whole thing you would go into an agency and the starting fees would be like three grand a month right a month for three months that's nine grand right so it's understanding the value of like if you're spending same so using tiktok uh, campaigns as an example maybe it's better for me to do like um you know a course in you know tiktok content making is more affordable than me spending thousands on a creator campaign when i don't have the foundation there like build the house first you know and do that first so for me i'm you know i've I've got plenty of resources to share for folks there's a really there's things like this there's the music business podcast um there's loads of great resources out there i think it's trying to do if you if you don't have the appetite to do that you're gonna struggle in this Mm. business because I had a very big manager come to me with an artist who had a pretty decent following said, Kelly, we want to work with you. I'm like, great. And like suggested some basic ideas and what would involve the artist coming to the party. Oh, the artist doesn't want to do anything. I'm like, well, don't hire him. It's I'm no good for you because it's not going to move. It's not going to get you where you want to be because a lot of these ideas and recommendations involve participation and involve rolling your sleeves up and getting involved. So I think for the most part for me, it's like, happy to you know find me on linkedin or hit me on my contact page i can send you a lot of those initial resources and i love connecting people with you know 
companies. Uh, there's a great TikTok company that I work with called Songfluencer. Mm-hmm. Who I've learned a ton from when it comes to TikTok, not just TikTok, Instagram Reels, YouTube Shorts, um, all this. And is that in the is that in the lane of having other people and other influencers to be part of ca- campaigning? For yeah, an and amplifying a sound. So just quickly on that, because again, it's a mystery for people. <laughs> it's easy slash easier to take something with organic momentum on the platform and by that i mean the number of daily video creations if i have a sound on tiktok and i had one video today five videos tomorrow 10 videos the next day 20 and it's snowballing Mm -hmm. that is organic momentum that daily video number is going up and that's stuff that i imagine that these extremely clever algorithm machines are watching and learning absolutely and they push it so that's why you start to see the same sound over Mm -hmm. and over again when more people are using it so Taking something like that and taking it from level two to level 10 is a lot easier than getting something from level one to level two. And by that, I mean that first bit, the engine starting bit is really hard. And if everyone cracked that, we'd all be millionaires. Well, well I, I guess <laughs> that kind of makes sense to me because what you kind of said is getting a song that goes like five to 10 to 25, like that is proof that there's a value there's like a value proposition in that bit of content mm-hmm. that is already working. So like it's saying something and it has value. Absolutely. So it's like you can't take something that isn't saying something and doesn't have value and take it up to 10 ever because you're never ever going to have yeah, that. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Thing. And like when an artist comes to a company like Songfluencer and says, oh, we have, you know, a four song EP, which one should we promote on TikTok? Yeah. I would always even just, if, there, if it's already been released, I would say, well, which one has the most organic videos? Even yeah. if it's 30 versus zero, that's already raising its hand, as in the community is already liking it more than, you know, for that platform and that usage. So a genuine question for you, mm-hmm. right? Because let's say that you do have the video that's like growing, at least mm-hmm. somewhat in a small way. Surely by the definition of that already having an organic like snowballing effect, mm-hmm. you wouldn't need to have the influencers because it's already got the proof in the pudding. And, you, in, and I guess where I'm going here is, would you not rely on those algorithms to be like, well, these, these platforms are going to push this as far as it's going to go because that's what they're there to do. They're there to maximize the exposure on content that's going to keep people within their platform. Absolutely. But, the, but I guess the, 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 the holy grail bit or the smart bit is when you're using budget to only add gas to that fire is it makes more sense for me to put an extra three to five thousand dollars in this space where it's working than three thousand dollars on instagram ads where i'm trying to push you know, a rock up a big hill yeah, yeah. exactly yeah, yeah. and so and, and look sometimes you really can spark something right so some influencers work trends like things like the charlie xcx lock it unlock it where you it's already going mm. but then you blow it up by putting certain creators and it really gets bigger or the singer caroline polachek had one recently with so hot you're hurting my feelings a lot of these trends come out of a niche community so that came out of like queer girl tiktok doing this dance and you know you're able to put certain creators on to help bring it out of that space. Mm. Another really favorite one of mine was an independent rapper called um, Big Yavo, had a song called Rich, you may have seen. It was a really big popular hip hop dance trend on an independent label. They didn't have a ton of budget. At the dream at that kind of thing is spending 15 to 20 grand on like really big dance mm. creators. They didn't have that. So what happens is 
a company like Songfluencer can find that mid-tier, like mid-creator mm-hmm. that's really impactful to that community that are often followed by the bigger creators. Right. And they want to seem relevant because they have to be on it so with the brand. So then they pick it up so as well when you get that, like an on it. Uh, like yeah. yeah. So yeah, in yeah. that example, Charlie D'Amelio did the dance, Addison Ray did the dance wow. all for free and they yeah. would normally cost, you know, a lot more money. So sometimes you can use strategists who understand that space to really level up on something with organic mm-hmm. momentum. A hundred percent, if you didn't have the budget and left it to the algorithm, it would still have that impact Mm. of organic discovery and probably start appearing in things like the Spotify viral chart and things like that, because that is the place for like music discovery, Mm -hmm. you know, now is helping with that. But in terms of just to go back to be like, well, an artist is saying, sitting here listening, saying, well, I don't have that. I don't Mm. have organic momentum. What you can do again, you're doing like the left hand is like doing the thing I said about committed to at least 30 days, like Mm. stick at it. Don't give up after post four of trying different things out and trying different content and seeing if anything sticks and leaning into that. And then on the other hand, it's okay. There's maybe strategies and tactics with, it makes more sense for me to find smaller creators in my community, in my space, the kind of what we call nano creators to use something and see if it resonates. Mm -hmm. And if not, it's not too much of a loss or an investment. You kind of litmus paper tested Mm -hmm. that space and again, that return on investment could be, well, do you know what? Maybe I ended up with 10 really amazing posts that make sense for me that I can duet with on my profile. I can cross promote to my Instagram story. I can use it in my Spotify for artist pitch. They ask for marketing drivers. Mm-hmm. You can say, here's a great example of, we call it UGC, user generated content. People are using my sound in this way. <clears throat> that's when it's done pre-release as mm-hmm. like an original sound. You'll probably people listening will know that's a popular tactic. And I think it's understanding that inherent value of affinity building versus the value doesn't just have to be measured by this has gone viral. Um, We use the example talking about our favorite Dolly Parton. Yeah, yeah. She has a wonderful new album out, Run Rose Run, with the book that she's written. Reese Witherspoon's just announced as having the movie rights. Go check it out, read the book, listen to the album. For an artist like Dolly... And you see a lot of catalogue artists having massive songs kick off, uh, Fleetwood Mac Dreams being the obvious mm. one. No person in their right mind would have walked into Fleetwood Mac's record label and said, hey, I know exactly the content that's going to spark this global trend. A uh, guy on a skateboard drinking cranberry juice. Like they would have been <laughs> laughed out of the room, you yeah. know, because people automatically think it should be, you know, have affinity with Stevie Nicks or hippie culture or the 70s, whatever it is. So with Dolly, I'm going into her new record thinking, I'm not going to compete with Jolene mm. and nine to five and I will always love you. Right. Or here we go. Come again. So I'm going to build that affinity. And that's the value for me of having, she's not actually on TikTok mm. right now, you know, so it's finding the relevant people that can use the sound in a way that makes sense for their audiences and their pages. Mm. No one knows what works best for their pages than a creator because they're pros. Well, also it's like a hive mind, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, it's like this unbelievable network of thousands and thousands of creators mixed with almost like a Darwinian style evolution of content because the winning ones are going to go. So the way I see it is like, if you can have 10,000 creators creating 10,000 bits of content and you've got whatever, do the maths, 100,000 mm-hmm. com- competitors, you know, then yeah, that you're gonna have that cream on the top that's just gonna be, and could you could you as one person like create and think that against that hive mind? Like never, yeah, that's exactly. the point of that, 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 that style of evolution of, yeah. of content. I think we, we talked about this analogy that I stole from a friend, it's really helpful. Um, I like to think of every TikTok user as their own little mini music supervisor. And what that means is we're used to 
musicians or music marketers are thinking that music music is king like here's my great song Mm. what's the best video to go with it what's the best content to go with it that shows who i am as an artist what's the best story to tell with my music you kind of have to reverse engineer it where the content creator's like here's my great content what's the best soundtrack to it Mm. so for that guy on the skateboard that day with the cranberry juice he was like i need like a vibey track to like vibe out with i'm gonna vibe out to dreams it was the best song for the soundtrack to his content so you know silk sonic you know can be really literal with a song called skate it's not just roller skaters Mm. using that song it's people who want to like create a vibe and a mood and everything else so i think you have to relax everything that you know about like i think my music lives to exist in this way Mm. and embrace the fact that people are going to discover it through things that make sense for them and their audience and it's really fun just to just to give you another like tangible example the Whitney Houston song uh you know I want to dance for somebody mm-hmm. there's plenty of content on the chorus and people dancing like literally I'm not gonna sing it for you that hook of I want to dance with somebody sorry I'm like choking on my own talk here <laughs> just because <laughs> but, your brain was thinking am I gonna start singing but, now and no, your no, vocal no, cords no, went. No, absolutely not shut it down <laughs> But you probably remember a while back, there was a trend of the opening to the song where it's bum, ba dum, dum, boom. Yeah, yeah, and people yeah. like dancing to like the dancing to the music versus dancing to the lyric. No marketer would have pitched that. Yeah. Right? The audience, like um, Nina Simone, My Baby Just Cares For Me. It's a dog going down the steps on the bum, ba dum, ba dum, ba dum, ba dum. <laughs> like the audience is, uh, we, did a, we did a project around uh, Star Wars, May the Fourth Be With You. Mm. Uh, people are making comedy content of like, you know, the Imperial March, like dum, dum, da dum, like surprising their boyfriends or mm. girlfriends. I think just just being relaxed about the fact that people are just getting creative and finding ways to use music to soundtrack their mm. lives. That's a freedom for artists because it's saying to people like, I've gifted this to the world, like go crazy, like mm. use it how you want to use it. Well, you know what, on that note, I, I, I'm sure I speak for a lot of people when they say that... Um, there's a lot of lessons to glean from that. And, and thank you for laying so much out. Every time I do these podcasts, I always feel like we could do another three or four and still not quite get there. But I just think what you encapsulated is just such a powerful message, especially for creators and even you know business people and even people who are just thinking with all the complications and all of the different platforms and all of the different demands that everyone constantly has every single day. Actually, what it comes down to is focusing on, on what you're saying, who you're saying it to. And if you get that right then you're pretty much bulletproof and, and, and tack onto that commitment to yes to, that's to, a great to, one for, yeah, yeah. for a period of time like the cadence like mm. even people from tiktok have said to me it's better for people to commit to like one post a day every mm. day at 11 a.m for 30 days then like i'm gonna do four posts on tiktok then forget it for a week yeah, right oh, yeah. just consistency, consistency and cadence because it, it gives the platform a chance mm. to figure out what you're about. They kind of scan content to be like, oh, what's in this? And, and like you say about the litmus test, as, as yeah. a creator, it allows you to look and go, okay, across the month we did 30, which ones worked, which ones didn't? Yeah. And, uh, and the thing is, the trends that go, the common theme is that they're replicable. Mm. Like other people can do them. Mm. So think about the last time you participated in a trend, whether it was a transition, whether it was a lip sync, whether it was like a funny dance or move. It was possible to do it. It wasn't really hard. You know, um, I had a gal trending. There was like a manifestation trend. Like everyone could do that. It's just Mm. text on a screen. You know, it's fine. So I think sometimes it's really funny. A label will have a really grand idea of like, let's use like a travel influencer with like, you know, a song that's got a lyric about mountains and Mm. like show all these beautiful mountains. It's like, I'm in Brooklyn. I can't get to the mountains to replicate this content, you know. So I think, you know, think about what's replicable. And the other key thing is, 
do things that you enjoy mm. because if it takes off you have to keep doing it and lean into it mm. so don't force yourself to try and figure out doing really complicated editing trends if you don't enjoy editing mm. you know i hear you well, thank you again for doing this. Um, we are broadcasting for the last time uh, in sunny New York before we head back to London, um, back to our back to our hometown. So, Kelly Ridgeway, thank you so much for doing this episode with me. I look forward to catching you next time, My and pleasure. I guess I'll see you on the Hope Zooms in the next few weeks. Cheers! All right, thanks. Catch you next time.